Thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Business of Fun podcast. My guest today is a gentleman by the name of Simon Severino, and he does a thing called Strategy Sprints at strategysprints.com. This is a little bit outside of the normal fare, and I think it worked out really, really well because we talk about a lot of awesome stuff. And that's stuff I think that will be really, really valuable because Simon's big idea is that processes matter, um, we can accelerate change, and that strategy before tactics is what matters. So, you know, right up my alley. But before we get there, let's do some house cleaning, right? Um, First off, I want to make sure you pay attention to my newsletter that comes out every Friday. It is called Talking Tickets. It is five stories from the week with a little day of analysis. Some ideas on what they mean, how to take action on them, how to apply them to your business. Get it. Send me an email, dave at davewakeman.com or visit talkingtickets.substack.com. By the way, it's the hundredth, it was the hundredth edition. Now I think we're on the 104. So uh, of the of the newsletter, the Talking Tickets newsletter. So I'm doing a survey for Talking Tickets and the Business of Fun podcast. The link will be in the show notes. Uh, it'll take you about a minute or so. It'll just help me get better guests, uh, talk about better things. Um, I'm going to offer probably somebody as a reward for filling out the survey, a chance maybe for uh, some you know some kind of reward, maybe a free class or something. Uh, you know, But it, the most important thing is it will help me. So check out that link. Send me, uh, give me your feedback. I appreciate it. Uh, check out my friends at Booking Protect. The Global Leaders in Refund Protection. Uh, we are doing a great new uh, ebook that's going to be out hopefully maybe around the first of the year or, or around the holidays or the first of the year after that. Uh, but check them out, bookingprotect.com. The data on consumer purchase habits is unbelievably clear. Before the pandemic, it might be uh, 10 to 15% of the people were taking up refund protection. Uh, now, since tickets have gone on sale as lockdowns have eased, uh, we're seeing between 30 and 70%, depending on the month, of people taking up refund protection. That is a huge shift in consumer behavior. And if you've listened to this podcast or listened to me at all over the years, you know the most important thing to look at when you're segmenting your marketing, you're targeting people is behavior. 30 to 70% is a clear sign that people are looking for peace of mind, security, um, a little certainty in their purchases. You, Booking Protect helps you give them that. It's bookingprotect.com. The great thing for you is that it also adds a new stream of revenue to you. So again, check them out, bookingprotect.com. Talk to Kath, Kat, Haley, Simon, all the team over there. They're all awesome. They've been tremendous friends of mine, uh, tremendous partners of all of these, the newsletter and the podcast. Uh, and they're great folks, right? Deliver world-class customer service. So bookingprotect.com. This episode with Simon Severino is awesome because we talk a lot about Net Promoter Score. A few months back, I talked to Patrick Ryan from Event Select, and he talked about some of the Net Promoter Score research that they did internally. Uh, and he goes, you know something, it's such a great tool. Let's create a worksheet. So we did. You can get this worksheet by sending me an email at daviddavewakeman.com. Simon and I go through this on the podcast the worksheet that I created with Eventelect is a pretty awesome. It's three pages. It explains what Net Promoter Score is, why it matters, and how to do the survey for yourself. And trust me, you can do the survey as simply as with three questions, right? And it'll give you tremendous, tremendous insight into your business, how you add value for your customers. 
um, how you can continue to add value and maybe how you can even add more value. Eventilex score is 77. It's unbelievable, right? Uh, the scale is Z minus 100 to 100. Uh, anything in the positive category is, is actually considered good. So 77 is unreal. The Talking Tickets newsletter only has 65. So uh, check it out, daviddavewakeman.com. I will send you a copy. Make sure you check out my friends at Activity Stream as well. I had Martin Gameltoff on the podcast a few episodes ago to talk about the Activate email marketing platform. And it is a great tool to help you re-engage and reconnect with your customers. In the normal times, Activity Stream was a great tool to help you come up with magic moments and ways to engage with your audience in new and unusual ways to recognize the people who matter most to you. The Activate email marketing system is going to help you reconnect with your audiences because if you haven't been communicating with people, you're behind people who have continued, been able to continue to communicate. But the thing is, is like if you start now, you have a chance to re-engage, get people thinking about going to shows and events, concerts, performances, whatever. So check them out, activitystream.com. You can tell them Dave sent you. All right. So Simon Severino, he is the CEO of StrategySprints.com, and this is a pretty great episode because we talk about um, business transformation, and we talk about accelerating change in an, or, in an organization. We talk about his habits that he uses to help make sure his business is on point at all times. We talk about net promoter score, like I mentioned in the introduction here. We talk about... Um, accelerating the frequency of sales we talk about a cool one we talk about which i didn't know it was a jim collins idea is the return on luck we talk about uh, um you know increasing your performance marketing we talk about uh teaching we talk about how which is something that i didn't know we were going to talk about but it's something that um i can tell you with full transparency and full honesty I've seen it happen a lot because I've been a part of it happening a lot. Um, it's stuff that I do with my clients pretty regularly, which is rev doubling revenue in 90 days. Um, it's one of the reasons I buy in so heavily to processes because a lot of time, one of the fastest ways to accelerate sales is to clean up the processes. So we talk about that. We talk about the three like dynamic aspects of managing a business, especially one for fast growth. We talk about conversion rates, pricing. Uh, we talk about, you know, momentum. We talk. We even get into a little bit about the NFTs and the blockchains and what do those really mean for people. This is a really, really. Uh, I think it's an interesting conversation. I think it's not directly where we talk about. Oh, you know, like this show or this performance or anything. But it works. This is a. Uh, I think this is great. I, I learned a lot. I took pr probably the most notes I've taken in a long time from a conversation, five or six pages. Uh, this is good. Really, really great stuff. So check out this conversation between me and Simon Severino on the Business Fun Podcast. All right. I want to welcome Simon Severino to the Business of Fun Podcast. Simon, how are you today? Hey, Dave. Excited to be here. Hello, everybody. I'm very excited to have you on. Uh, I'm going to start by saying that now that I know that you're in Vienna and that you're Italian and that you're drinking coffee, I should be very jealous because I bet you it's some excellent coffee you're having. <laughs> my, my community coffee is Indeed. not 
<laughs> is no match to what you're probably drinking right now. Um, but I'm excited to have you on because you are the CEO of Strategy Sprints. And the email that I got about having you on talked about uh, change and accelerating change and creating change in organizations. And if we aren't looking at a world that's filled with change right now, I don't know what we what when we will ever see um, any change like this again in our lifetimes because um, the pandemic seems to have accelerated a lot of trends and a lot of ideas um, that were already exposing themselves before the pandemic. I want to start out by asking you about um, the speed of change, right? Because that's a big concept that you talk about with people you work with and your clients and uh, kind of frame our conversation around understanding the speed of change and managing change because really everything in life is about risk and reward and managing change, at least in my opinion, but maybe I'm wrong. And that's why I want to ask you. Yeah. So change. Uh, today in the morning, I get my usual emails and it's this, this stock filled up, this crypto filled up. So since yesterday, markets are down 7%. And this is it does not even surprise me. And next week, they might be up 13%. This is just one example of the rate of change that we are in as business owners, right? So we all don't know uh, what's going to happen next week. The rate of change, last 10 years, it was always a discussion when I was on panels. Right now, everybody knows it. The rate of change is high. The question is, how do we cope with this? How can we get the weak signals so early that we can cope with it? So how can we see around corners? We cannot see around corners, but how can we see around corners when we can see around corners? It's catching the weak signals and it's also having the right decision, anticipatory decision-making process so that, as you say, risk-reward, that we have a framework for how much on our risk curve from low risk, low reward to mid risk, mid reward to high risk and high reward, how we allocate our whole uh, being and our whole business because we want to be fast when the opportunity comes, but we want to be also um, protected against negative volatility. Yeah, no, I think that's um, the way you talked about it is like looking around corners a way I did this. Um, let's call it famous for, for our intentions and purposes. It's far from famous, but I did a uh, keynote address in Sydney, Australia before like in November, right before the pandemic started. And it was all about change. And I said, there's two things that everybody needs to know about change. Number one, it's coming. And number two, you don't have a choice about dealing with it. The only choice you can make is sticking your head in the sand and pretending it's not coming and letting it wash over you or just facing it head on and embracing it. When you were giving me the answer that you just gave, I kept thinking about this idea that, that Peter Drucker is famous for saying, which is that he would like to see the change that had already happened and look out into the world. Like, you know, he says, sitting in his rocking chair, looking out the window. It's very similar. How do you help people or how do you teach people to see those little signals, right? Because I've gotten better at looking at it, right? And that's how I pick up on trends. But how do you teach people to do that? Because I think it's very valuable because most of the time people miss these little these bits of noises and these connections that are there. And then all of a sudden, this huge change seems to have popped up out of nowhere. 
Yes, one thing is to have both radars on the operations, but also the innovation radar, right? On my innovation radar, for example, <clears throat> there are six technologies that I'm watching closely. One of them is the blockchain technology and how, how it's, it's evolving. So last week I got not a notification. Hey, Twitter just went onto the Lightning Network because I have a radar for that. So 30 minutes per day, I research actively these things. I look for the right sources. I, 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 I subscribe to the, these sources, to paid newsletters about this or to people on Twitter that are writing about exactly this. And so I want to get the weak signals. Now, in three months, everybody will be talking about that, that Twitter has now integrated onto the Lightning Network because this will change the world. But can you catch the weak signals? Can you get this early? This, that's one thing. And the other thing on the operation side, I have three habits, three very simple habits. I call them the CEO habits. A daily habit, a weekly habit, and a monthly habit. And, and they all have to do with this. The daily habit is how do I allocate my time? So what am I going to do tomorrow? I write it down and at the end of tomorrow, I have two reflective questions. One is, of all the things that I did today, which one should tomorrow do somebody else better than me? And the second question is, if I would live more intentionally and more freely tomorrow, what would I do? With these two reflective questions every day, it's just five minutes, but I find a ton of things to delegate and I find where I am thinking not big enough and I help myself thinking bigger. Oh, I would write a book. Okay, so I will start the project of writing your book and now it's ready. But it comes from this daily practice and also the delegating and delegating is important. Otherwise, you don't build a business, you don't scale your business. Mm -hmm. The weekly habit, I get the three numbers reported every week, the three numbers about marketing, about sales and about operations. By doing that, I catch the weak signals. Whatever happens, for example, let's say our YouTube channel is down. I, I get it latest after seven days because of this. So I'm catching the weak signals. Mm -hmm. Let's see something on LinkedIn is working much better than something else. I, I get it early enough with a 0.2% variation, deviation, I would catch early and I don't have to wait three months later when everybody's talking about it. The third habit, the monthly habit, is strategic analysis. So I watch my top three competitors. Once a month, we talk about it. And not just the competitors, but also what else can my customer do if they don't work with us? So also their behavioral alternatives. This is what Rita McGrath, the strategist, calls the strategic arena. It's not just your competitors. It's also what else can they do? Maybe they can do it themselves. They can have Peter the intern doing it. They can hire somebody. They can do nothing and they can book your three competitors and they can book you. So we go through that, find what really differentiates us and either work on staying differentiated or on becoming differentiated because there's nothing worse than we are comparable to others. 
then we have a very bad position and a very bad price discussion. So these are the three habits, and this is, and they cover both operations, but also learning from the operations and looking forward by catching the weak signals. Yeah, no, that was a uh, that was a great answer because I mean I'm going to hold it up. People can't see this, but like, here's a note card where I keep everything that needs to be done today. Um, and then I, I keep a paper calendar so I can look at the thing, um, the weekly numbers, right? I recognize, I pay attention to those. I mean, my numbers are different than yours, but the big thing that you brought up right here was the idea that I look at my customers and ask them what they can do. Because one idea that I preach over and over again is that people, you know, people in any industry, not just live entertainment need to be more customer focused, more market oriented. If I want to use the big uh, business school term. And that really means like you just said, it's not just looking at why they aren't picking at me, but looking at what else they can do. And it's looking at behaviors, not just like, oh, well, they're not buying from me. So they must be stupid. Right. You know, it's like how, how moving beyond that and going like, well, what is what behavior are they taking action upon and what are the choices they can make besides me? And it, it's like super, super powerful. And I know that you and then you talked about differentiation. So I want to ask you about this idea of looking at the non-customers or looking at the different behavioral things that your customers do. Is that something that you teach others to do? And if so, like how do you know how do you approach that? Because I think it's hard for people to understand that idea sometimes that like just because they're not buying your solution, it doesn't mean that like there's not buying another solution. It just might be an entirely different solution. The best thing that we introduced in our business was the NPS, Net Promoter Score. So we ask now all the customers all the time, what's working, what's not working, what else do you need? And from one to 10, uh, how likely is it that you would recommend us? And we are pretty strict because everything that's not a six, I think is a detractor, so it would be minus one. And everything that, and only 10 and nine are a promoter, so are a plus one. And in between, you you don't count it. It's neutral. It's zero. And so you come up with a number between minus 100 and 100. Mm -hmm. And when we started that, it was tough to get this feedback mm -hmm. because you hear what's not working. But then it, beca it became our, our favorite question because, hey, how fast can we catch it? How fast can we improve it? And how fast can we show them that we are listening, that we care, that we are great executors because we just improved it in 17 hours. And uh, here it is. And thank you for that. So it became the best loop ever in our operations because now you have customers doing research for you. They are basically improving your product. Mm -hmm. You have them doing marketing for you because if you do this two, three times in, in one project, you, ha you have raving fans, of course. They will tell everybody, hey, this coach really, really cares about my feedback and they are improving like a beast. 17 hours later, they have improved their main product because of my feedback. So they will be your raving fans. They, they will tell all their friends to work with you, which is pretty cool. And the only thing that we had to overcome was this fear, hey, but we will hear things that are negative. Yes, you will. That's business. And the job is to catch them early, to turn them into, into a win and to deliver.
The net, uh, you, you can see me, people can't see me because I was laughing the whole time you're answering this because that's like the net promoter score. I created a worksheet for people uh, with a partner of mine called the Ventilect because I started talking about net promoter score probably a year or two ago. And I was like, oh, this thing is so valuable. And I can say for the podcast and newsletter that the net promoter score for, for this is 65, which is unbelievable, right? And then- Very good. Yeah, and then the people that- uh, that partnered with me on the worksheet of intellect, they have a 77, which was out of this world. And, but we both were like on every time we see something, we can improve it. Right. We, every, you know, every bit of feedback is like, it's qualitative, it's quantitative, it's instant. Because if you track that number, you'll see if your number's growing, your business is probably growing. And if it's not, your business is probably stagnant or shrinking. And it's like, I mean, it's not absolute, but it's, about as good as it gets for doing market research that costs you basically five minutes to put together. Uh, and it's an incredible tool. And it's, um, I agree with everything you said about it because it's, you know, it, it's like one of the things that I do constantly. I'm like, always like going, let me know what you think. Right. Tell me, tell me, I mean, it stinks, but I'd rather, like you said, catch it early. Um, it allows me to improve. It allows me to change. It allows me to innovate. It allows me to market and sell better. And then when you get those people who are the nine or tens, the promoters, they do your business for it. They do do your marketing and selling for you. It's super, super powerful. And we talked about risk reward. What's the biggest risk you can have? The biggest risk is that you have something in your core delivery that is broken and you don't know it. Mm -hmm. Nobody tells you. They just will not renew working with you. Or if you're a SaaS company, the churn will go down slightly, uh, but, but surely. So that's the highest risk you can have. So I'd rather have a, a, a small problem for two hours every couple of weeks and I execute on that, but I know that it's de-risked and that we are doing the right thing mm-hmm. in the right way for the right people. Yep. That's how you de-risk a business. Yep, no, that, that's exactly right. That's exactly the way I approach it. It's, I could, I mean, Mark the, you know, highlight this market down. This is like as good of an explanation for net promoter score as I could ever give. But let's not stay there because like we could fanboy on that for a long time because I want to talk about another concept that you brought up or that you that you work on. And I'm interested to learn a little bit more about it because it's called ROL and it's return on luck. What does that mean? And like, how do people apply that? So this was started by Jim Collins, who said, hey, why are some people having these results and most are not? What are they doing differently? So he went into research mode and he found out that only a small fraction of the big companies really succeed and he was trying to find out what is the behavior behind that he he didn't do it very long but i found this and said hey okay let's continue this exploration i'm still interested to find out what makes the difference and the main difference is the amount of parallel experiments that you run so basically luck is out of your control if, if you picture it like a plane, it's a plane that lands somewhere. So will it land on my ground, on your ground, on her ground, on his ground? Nobody knows. But what can we do on the ground 
to increase the probability that it lands here and not there? And that's, that's the question. And if you look at the data, it's the amount of things that people try out. So if you run 50 experiments, the probability is higher that you find the one thing working than if you run just two experiments. Mm -hmm. And that's basically the path. So the organizational question is, how can I run multiple parallel experiments per week, per month, so that I find the one thing that works for me? Because in the very end, no business school, no book, no method can help you if you don't run many explorations in your field, in your context, yourself. So you have to take these things, find the quickest way to test them. And so we teach how to test things quickly so that you can run three to eight experiments per week and measure them after three days so that you stop wasting your time if they're not working. And if they're working, you continue testing. Mm -hmm. That's, that's the, how, how you run parallel experiments. And that came from this question, hey, where does luck land? Why does it land there and not there? No, that's exactly, uh, I mean, that's great because one thing I, I try to convince people of, and you know, some people are um, better at convincing them than not, is that you kind of always need to be testing things. You always need to be trying new things. I go, even in my own business, you might not necessarily notice it, but I'll float a new idea for like a coaching program or a class or something and if nobody if nobody you know is that interested into it in it then it's totally cool it's fine i just know that that's not what people are looking for me i mean it's one of the ways that i found out that people are always looking to me for pricing like they want to learn about pricing they want better information on pricing um they will give they will throw everything at me if i talk about do things around pricing especially around not discounting and that was all because of experimentation it it's I think we live in this environment, and, and again, this will be the like lead into the question, where people feel like they have to have all the answers all the time. And the truth is, none of us have all the answers all the time. And that being willing to try something that you know may not work is really a sign of strength and not weakness. Um, am I am I onto you know your philosophy there, or have I missed it? Absolutely. There is nothing you can rely on on the content level, only the process level you can rely. You might have a solid process for exploration and for measurement and for learning. If yes, then that's the only thing you can trust. The only thing. The content will change all the time and the content is, you know, all the numbers. But the way you measure the numbers, that's what you can rely on if you have a solid system. That's why I developed for myself this solid system of weekly habit, uh, daily habit, weekly habit, monthly habit, mm -hmm. because that's the only thing I can rely on. Everything else changes all the time. Look at what Shiba Inu did last week. So you cannot predict that, but you can have a system of how you allocate different risks, classes over a different, um, on, or on, on the risk curve. And that you can rely on. You can rely on your portfolio construction process. You cannot rely on the single numbers. They will go up and down outside of your control. Right. You have to have principles that guide you. If, if I'm not misunderstanding, if I'm, you know, understanding. A process. 
Yeah. A solid process, an unshakable process that says every day we check how we allocate your time and we delegate more. Every week we get all the numbers in the right order, in the right simplicity and learn from them. Every month we check competition and we check positioning and we refine our positioning. Yeah. And when you're teaching, when you're teaching people this, you know, how complex is it a process to teach or does, or do people often understand this process right away. Like they sort of just have never had the mirror held up to them and they sort of, they sort of get it as soon as you start talking about it. It's like raising, raising kids. There is no use in teaching. It doesn't work. <laughs> the only thing that works is doing. So if you want your kids to read books, read the book every day and they will see it and they will do it. If you tell them, hey, you should read books, but then you watch Netflix all the time, guess what happens? So the same thing applies in my context. I do not teach anybody anything. I just agree with them on a 90 days coaching and I promise them that we will double the revenue together. And, and that if not, then they get their money back. So that's what we do. That's the agreement. And then it's one-to-one -one coaching daily tasks and daily loops and daily accessibility. They can tag me easily in their project management space. And so we go through that. We experiment, we measure, we do more of what works, we do less of what doesn't. That's the only thing. So I don't teach. Yes, I record videos, etc. Mm -hmm. but they are part of an, a real um, commitment from both sides. Both of us have risk, have skin in the game. And we want to drive their revenue forward. Mm -hmm. Both parties want, really want this. And that's why it works, because we, we will make it happen. Uh, and so from week to week, we explore and we find out and we adapt. And the goals always stay the same, the three goals for the 90 days. But the, and the revenue goals, operations goals and marketing goals. But the activities, they change all the time because we are experimenting. We are running a ton of experiments. We measure what works and do more of that. What doesn't work gets deleted. Yeah, no, that's um, the 90 days doubling your revenue thing. That's um, that was something I used to focus on with people too. And it, it was um, it's funny because if you understand the process of driving revenue, you can almost guarantee that you're going to hit that double, double the revenue number. You can almost guarantee it. I have... I mean, I won't say it's happened hundred percent of the time. My hit rate on this was like extremely high. And it was, I know we have a different framework for dealing with it, but it was seriously, it was the, the process, getting people to think through the process is the, was the most important thing for my end. And, you know, I, and it sounds like that's a similar thing for you. I've broken it down into three simple things that they can, can easily achieve. We want to raise the frequency of their sales by 25%. And that means intensifying the relationship so that you have eight to 15 contact points, experience points in a shorter time. We go for two weeks instead of eight months that they usually have. Then we want to raise by 25% the conversion rate of existing conversations, of existing sales calls, raising the conversion rate by 25%. We do that by 
giving them feedback on their sales technique. So they record their Zoom calls, they send them in. Uh, we write it down and, and we say, look, in minute two, you did this. In minute six, you did this. Now try this, try this, try this. And that's how they get feedback and increase their conversion rate. And the third lever is increasing by 25% the price. And the price, that's usually uh, just by doing eight positioning things, right? And so we go with the checklist rule. Usually they have two or three of them implemented. We implement the other five also. And now they have a better positioning and they can charge 25% higher price because now they have done their eight homeworks on the positioning side. Right. Yeah. And if yeah. you put these three things together, revenue goes up by plus 99%. Yeah. Uh, I, I couldn't, um, the positioning thing, I think people, uh, again, these, these are all things that, uh, that we've been talking about here on the podcast and in the newsletter and everything all the time. And it's, you know, positioning is just so incredible and so powerful because it, you can't be the same as everybody else and expect people to A, pay a premium, uh, B, to pick you out of the crowd or C, you know, be loyal to you, right? So you have to be unique. You have to be special. You have to be, um, you know, the best version of yourself, I think, is the way I try to pe get people to do it. Or you position yourself against the other person and like you're just like hammering them over the head and like going, oh, don't go to Simon, go to Dave because Dave, da, 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 right? Great impression. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it usually That's does awesome. work. Yeah. People are missing out on this one because I'm like really animated in the uh, video part of this. <laughs> um, so let me, so let me ask you this then. Um, knowing that, um, we are dealing with just tremendous amounts of change and understanding that uh, using processes to drive revenue is so, so important, right? And thinking strategically about your business, saying like, look, you know, this is our position in the market. Uh, this is our sales process. This is where we're either converting or not converting people in an environment where people in live entertainment have, you know, were, out, were away, you know, like the things were shut down for 18, 19, 20 months. And now there's just like so much um, competition now. And there's just so many changes in behavior. And there's a lot of challenges that people are dealing with. Do you have like one or two ideas, like just for how, how people can kind of reset and rethink their businesses based on like the framework you use and like some of the ideas you teach? I, I have been in the first lockdown, I thought, oh, my God, what will Stephen Colbert do? No theater, right? And so what did he do? He just kept rolling. He said, OK, what can I do with the resources that I have right now in this current moment uh, for the people that I'm here to serve? And so what he did, he said, Hey, CBS, can I have your camera delivered home? And uh, he put his camera home and he just continued doing what he does with the resources that he has to reach the people he serves. The exact same thing. And I think for one and a half years, he was just in his living room doing the same thing. And he was sad. He was tired. He was sometimes drunk. And you would see this. And he wouldn't cover it. He, he, he used it as material. He said, are you also so thirsty? Are you also so tired? 
and you would feel it. And he would talk about that, how he's tired and he would tie it to his material, which is making fun of the news. And that is, I think, a great example. It's important to keep rolling. When you stop a, a, a stone that is rolling, it takes you so much energy to move it again. So it's really important that it keeps rolling. If, if it rolls, you have escape velocity, you, ha you need zero energy to move it. That's important, so keep rolling. Don't stop, don't overanalyze, don't overthink. Analyze in action. Mm -hmm. Information comes to you while you do. It sticks on you and then you just pull it off and say, oh, well, what do I learn from this? Uh, so keep rolling. And the second thing is always, always, always serve your people. They are still somewhere. They still need you. They miss you. So serve them. It's not about you. It's about them. Mm -hmm. So find out how to still deliver what you have to say. Say what you have to say. Share what you have to share. Mm -hmm. And then... And the third thing is be strategic in terms of find the 20% that move your 80% forward. So it's always about looking at what you are doing and simplifying. What can you take away and you're still delivering value? What can you strip away? Because really you work best when you work less, but on the right things. So with, with our coaches, we try in the first month to free up 10 to 14 hours of their week per person. Because usually they work 60 hours, 80 hours. It's too much. Mm -hmm. And when you show up with a low battery, your impact is low, your decisions are bad, you are irritable, people run away from you. When people buy from you in the entertainment space, they buy from the person, they buy from you. And so they want to feel you they buy Dave and the energy that Dave brings into the room and how they feel around Dave. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's about stripping down so that when you show up, these four hours are fully charged, fully present. And, uh, and this is where people touch your magic. So I would say these are the three things. Yeah. The, the, the thing about saving yourself and making sure your battery recharges, that is a... Um ongoing sore point to some of the people that listen here because i go i most of the time i'm only working 20 or 25 hours a week at, at most and i go the reason i can do all the stuff i do is because when i am doing it i am fully present i am fully there i power through the things i have to do with like full intensity and full energy and instead of just trying to do everything people feel like i do a lot but i i actually go if you had, if you knew how much, uh, how often I was reading or uh, playing FIFA with my son, you would, you would be kind of like, how do you do that? No, and the thing is, is like it's very focused, uh, very much about recharging the battery. Um, so that was great. Now, one thing that you did bring up, and I think we should highlight here real quick because I think it'll be funny, is you brought up Shiba Unu, and uh, so you're a a big crypto fan and um you know an ongoing joke here is my crypto wallet and the fact that like i put money in my crypto wallet and i'll talk about like how much it's grown or um re for a little while there how, how much it had fallen <laughs> um but you know, i think it's interesting to talk about the stuff the uh crypto because it's it reflects the change it reflects the ability to manage risk and reward and it also is, goes back to that market that customer focus thing about what people are paying attention to um 
most people struggle with it because they don't understand the acronyms like NFTs or like some of the symbols or what the hell the blockchain is or any of these things. You know more about this stuff than I do. Can you give people just a like really brief like understanding of what cryptocurrencies are and how to approach them from the understanding of what the value is, what the risk reward operation is, and like how people can, you know, just look at it, give them a basic understanding. And don't buy so, buy all the Shibu. Shibu. <laughs> buy all, buy all of them. Pump it. For me, there are there are six big technological shifts happening right now. One of them is the blockchain technology, and they are all converging. So we will have a shift that we have never experienced in our lifetime. It, it is bigger than the shift that, that the internet created. Uh, and it will suck everything in. If you remember the internet, the internet was, many people said, no, no, this is not gonna work and no no government will, will want to have this. So this is a fad, it will, it will, nothing will happen. And now you have TV stations like MSNBC that if they don't put that piece also later on YouTube, because it's on the internet, they have no community, they have no reach, and it's a TV station. Mm -hmm. So that's what the small change of the internet did. It created one protocol where everything else is now layered onto. That was the internet. And it changed our behavior, it changed our life. What's happening right now, the blockchain technology is the same thing. It's one protocol that is sucking in everything else. Since last week, you can pay on Twitter by clicking send $5 and you send $5 in one second to Japan. This might seem like a small change, but it's a huge change because you can, whatever payment network you use, Visa, uh, PayPal, uh, or the Lightning Network, the blockchain, one second after this, physically, this value will go physically to Japan from wherever you are, and it's there after one second. That means that you don't need any bank anymore since one week. Imagine the shift. And now, what is the blockchain? The blockchain is the first time that we have created a governance system that has no head. So there is no CEO that you can, um, you can, you can push out or you can uh, try to, to, to bribe uh, and that you can remove that can take back decisions. So one point of control is really high risk. This is completely distributed. There is one governance uh, set of rules on there, and it has solved one of the biggest problems that we had in the last hundred years. And that is, it was unsolvable. How can you remove trust between three parties so that you can directly trust a transaction. And uh, that was called the Byzantine problem because um, 
but but maybe it's too much to go into the into the weeds. We have for the first time now a store of value where value really keeps the same value and maybe even goes up, which makes it also a new asset class. So it's a new infrastructure. It's the protocol that will suck in everything else. And it's also, it has created a new asset class, like, like equities and bonds. It's like the new gold. And it's smarter than gold. First, because gold didn't keep the promise. The promise was, hey, you store my value and uh, it's not working. And now it's gold plus it's programmable. So it's gold that you can put software onto. And that are all the smart contracts that are coming up. That's the whole world of Ethereum. So gold is Bitcoin, if you want the new gold. And all the smart contracts is the whole new financial industry. Basically, all the legacy financial industry is not needed anymore. There is a smarter solution and that big example is Ethereum and all the decentralized finance solutions built on smart contracts that mean we can do trust without trust. We can do transactions globally without costs. But right now the costs are pretty high. They are called gas fees, but they will not stay like that. They're getting more efficient uh, every month and every year. So there are a couple of really global problems that are being solved via blockchain technologies. And um, for now we have proof of work, soon we have proof of stake, and then other consensus mechanisms. But they are changing a couple things. Uh, for example, a ton of people on, on, on our planet are unbanked. They do not have access to a banking account. The blockchain will change that. They are getting access to the banking account. The first country right now is El Salvador, and this week Brazil is discussing it, etc. So many countries where inflation is super high, like 50%, 60% depreciation of their own currency per year, this will be the first countries to adopt it. So there is a societal opportunity. There is uh, organizational opportunity and there is individual opportunity and these three levels that's what's going on with the blockchain no and, and, and that's a um a i think a great and simple way of helping people understand because a it's it should be interesting for you just to play with the technology because the technology is interesting but b it helps people solve some of the challenges that they're dealing with in live entertainment so that would be uh, transferability, resale, fraud, um, you know, selling tickets in a way that's like meaningful and impactful for you, like all these different things. Um, and, you know, it, it helps you keep a foot in, in the market. So you understand what people are talking about, people are understanding. And like I was telling you before we started recording, I bought these 21 million shares of Shiba Unu, uh, which was sounds awesome. It, it looks fun to look at the numbers so large. It was like 150 bucks yeah. <laughs> that, that I invested. But it's that was a great marketing trick. And adding yeah. so many zeros was a great marketing move. Yeah. And it's 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 paying out right now. Yeah, exactly. It's like it's totally going nuts. It's fun to watch play with it right now. Um, so Simon, where do I point people? To, to find out more about you and to find out what you're working on, 
but to get a better grasp on, you know, these sprints and the ideas that we talked about. So I hang out at strategiesprints.com and the tools that we talked about it, the daily habit, weekly habit, monthly habit, these are open source tools that people, listeners can, can go and grab and use on their own. They are at strategiesprints.com slash tools. And um, and I'm everywhere. I run a podcast. Uh, uh, we have a Facebook group, and we are on all socials. Simon Severino or Strategy Sprints. You find us everywhere. Awesome, well, Simon. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. It was fun. Yeah, I try to please. I aim to. What did you think about my conversation with Simon Severino? Let me know by sending me an email. It is my name, Dave at DaveWakeman.com. You can also check out the new and improved DaveWakeman.com. Let me know what you think. I mentioned before, I'll mention it again. I'll continue to mention it because I'm really trying to keep the growth of this thing up. The Talking Tickets newsletter. If you can't find the link to the website, just send me an email, daviddavewakeman.com. It is five stories from the week with some analysis, some action items, some ways to apply these thinking to your business. Talkingtickets.substack.com. It is probably um, the most popular thing I do. Actually, maybe the podcast is the most popular thing. Whatever, it's one of the two most popular things I do. Uh, get it? Talkingtickets.com or talkingtickets.substack.com. Uh, the link acts a little funky because you don't put the www so if you get confused just send me an email daviddavewakeman.com talk to my friends at booking protect the global leaders in refund protection again i laid out that data at the very start like the consumer purchase data is very clear people are looking for peace of mind they're looking for security they're looking for a little bit more control in their ticket purchases since lockdowns have started to loosen and people have started to go out again Check it out, bookingprotect.com. Like I said, depending on the month, it's been between 30 and 70% of consumers have been taking out refund protection. That's a tremendous shift in behavior. Find out by talking to Kat, Kath, Haley, the whole team at Booking Protect. Find out how you can give it to your customers, how you can create a new stream of revenue for your business. Um, find out how it can apply to help you deliver just better service, a better experience to your customers. BookingProtect.com. If you listen closely, we had a really nice conversation about Net Promoter Score in this week's episode. I talked to Patrick Ryan. I told you this many, many times before about Net Promoter Score. He's a big fan. I'm a big fan. I'm still jealous of their 77, right? So that's why you got to fill out that uh, survey so I can get my 65 up to the 77 range. Um, all kidding aside, the 77 is unbelievable. And Net Promoter Score is a s extremely powerful and simple to use metric for market research. Um, this is what started the conversation between me and Patrick. Um, it's easy to do the way we've laid it out in the worksheet. It's three questions. You get quantitative and qualitative data if you do it correctly. Um, you get context to people's scores and you have a number that you can use to measure the success or and growth or decline of your business. Send me an email, daviddavewakeman.com. I'll get it to you. It's really a cool, cool tool to use. Okay. Um, all kidding aside, um, both Eventelect and me, Dave, we use it all the time. We believe in it wholeheartedly and we believe it can really be powerful for you. So send me an email. Finally, make sure you hook up with my friends at ActivityStream. Uh, check out the Activate email marketing platform. 
Um, one challenge that people face dur- during the lockdowns and through the bulk of the pandemic that we've been, you know, it ain't over. I know that, but we're still dealing with it, is the inability to communicate with their audiences as effectively as they maybe had in the past. And one of the cool things that the Activate email marketing platform does is it helps you find ways to re-engage with that audience. Um, In general, ActivityStream is a wonderful tool for creating magical moments and finding out customer insight using data you already have. This email component will help you re-engage with your audience. It'll help you begin to have those conversations again. It'll help you move back to top of mind or uh, even become a bigger part of people's lives and their entertainment and their cultural experiences. So check out activitystream.com. They've created this brand new website. Um, Go there, learn about the Activate email marketing system and find out about how ActivityStream can help you connect with your audience become more deeply connected and create a better environment and experience for your customers. So that's activitystream.com. Next week, I'm going to drop an episode with a friend of mine from London called Giles Edwards. And I'll talk about Giles when we get to the episode next week. But what he did, though, is he gave me some data. And the data said that the Business of Fun podcast is in the top 5% of podcasts in the world. Um, that's pretty awesome. And so I just want to take a second now that I know that. Thank you all for listening because the numbers uh, since I've started to get a regular schedule going again have been extremely strong. Um, the feedback I get for the podcast is excellent. And I'm going to put that link in the show notes. So fill out the survey and let me know what's up. Um, it's an honor to be able to like talk to you, to share ideas, to teach you new things, to expose you to new people, new ideas, um, you know, new ways of approaching your business. Now more than ever, you know, having a community around the podcast, around the newsletter, all is very valuable. It's important to me, and it seems like it's important to all of you. Um, I couldn't do it without all the people who pay attention, who listen, who engage, who work with me, who do all these things. Um, I'm forever grateful, you know, and I know that we're still not completely through with the pandemic, you know, so if you need somebody to talk to, if you need anything, send me an email, right? DavidDaveWakeman.com. Let me know. I'm here for you, right? Uh, it, it sucks to not have somebody to talk to. Uh, we, we hear all this stuff about mental health and the mental health challenges that people are dealing with, you know, so don't feel like you have to go through this alone. Send me an email, daviddavewakeman.com. As I say every time we do this thing, thank you so much for being here, and I will talk to you soon. Take it easy.